Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Schiffel. And that is Steve Jones. And we're potting outside the Fox Theater right now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we're kind of sandwiched between the Fox and the back of the Paramount. Yes. We're almost in the parking lot here at the back of the Paramount. But the Fox is just down the street. And uh, what? where are we? At Telegraph? Yeah, we're on Telegraph. And right here in downtown Oakland. Having some good fieldwork brews and uh, Artisan Rome Burgers. We'll give them a little shout out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> brand new place. We just stumbled upon it. And then they're going to be bringing us some sweet potato fries with some Parmesan. I can't yeah, wait yeah, until that happens. It's good. I'm drooling so, over here. Yeah. I don't even know what Parmesan and, and what was the other thing? Parmesan and what? I don't know. Parmesan and something. It sounded it's, scary. It, it sounded good. Oh, here come the Parmesan fries. Oh, I see them coming to us I'm now. drooling. I can yes. smell them. Yes. Yes. So the, oh, look at this. Here we go. Parmesan fries. Thanks. Looking good. I've got fries for you. Fantastic. Yeah, just put them right here. Sorry, I don't have any hands. Okay. There we go. Cool. Thanks. Thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. Yes. Uh, and uh, so that's how we do it here at Concert Pipeline. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're excited, though, because well, uh, the band we have on today is Gang of Four. Um, and uh, I got to interview the lead singer of Gang of Four, Andy Gill, uh, on his tour bus. Um, uh, you're excited about those Parmesan fries. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm listening. But these yes. fries smell so good. Anyway, tour bus. Yes. And... Uh, and uh, so we're going to talk about them in just a, a moment, but we're here at the, the Fox tonight for, yeah, it's not one. Not two. But three interviews. It's insane. We're interviewing all the bands playing tonight. Uh, and uh, Which is pretty freaking exciting. I mean, um, I mean, interviewing bands, you know, is fun, but boom, three in one day. I mean, you, you know my quota. I usually four hit maybe four interviews a year, right? I'm gonna get yeah. three done, well, and it won't even be the end of February. Last year, you kind of did the same. I mean, not three in a day, but you did. You got them done early, early. In, the, in the year, and then you're like, not anymore. The, the nothing. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but uh, you're on a streak. And I then, was on a streak. I think within the first two months, I got the four down. So yeah, yeah. so you're making up for some time early, and that's exactly and, right. And later in the year, I shouldn't expect your presence no. at all. <laughs> but hey, if I'm around for a fifth or sixth, then that'll be setting that bar high for for next year, right? So, right. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, Oh, yeah. God, that's so, right. It'll be just eternal failure. I'll just stay at four. Yeah, so we're here today to see uh, the, the Kooks. Uh, they're, they're headlining the Fox Theater. They're playing with Barnes Courtney and Future Feats. And we're going to be interviewing all of them, so we'll have them in... Uh, on future weeks of uh, Concert Pipeline. Lots to look forward to. Lots, to go, lots and lots to look forward to. I mean, these are some fun bands, right? Yeah. And they, uh, they're they known, and um, it was fun learning about them for me, and I really can't wait uh, for the interviews and for the upcoming show. We're going to have a good night. Yeah. So, And we're going to be joined with some of our friends also. My girlfriend Tracy, my friend John is going to uh, show up as well. Yep. So we're going to have a good little crew and yeah, yeah. and enjoy a good show. But There's the number one thing that we just got to keep in mind, and that's parking, right? Yeah. We, uh, we have a history of not having the best luck with... Uh, our cars. Uh, um, I've had know, a window after smashed. These shows, yeah, we've window. had windows yeah. smashed, tires, you know, punctured. Yeah. That, was slims, that was a slim, whatever. That was a slim. That was a slim. My window did get smashed outside the Fox here. Right, so, right. yeah. Well, let's a, just try. We'll, we'll start small. We'll try not to get the parking ticket in yes. an hour and a half, yeah. right? And then move to a safe location. Move to a safe location. Yeah. Maybe we should just. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So. Um, so I'll share a story. Um, That's I, good. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you're sharing a story. I was going to step yeah. up, but I couldn't really think of a story that wouldn't put everyone to sleep. So I knew you had a killer story. I'm excited. But And on the last episode that I did solo, I, t I closed out the season of duck hunting. So we're not talking about No duck, more duck hunting, duck hunting no. stories? No, that's done for a but while. But you did something related. You were hanging out. Organizing I, your decoys or something, right? I, I was organizing my decoys. Yeah. What does that even mean? Like well, you lined them all up in a row I, by color? I lined them all up. Uh, they. Uh, yes. Holy shit! How many <laughs> decoys do you have? Like uh, that's 190, 195 right there. 195 what? decoys lined up in formation. Yes. Those are all yours? Yeah, those are. I mean, they're, well, not all mine. They're all the, the ones that we had from the blind. Did you paint all those we, or touch we, them up? We painted. Yeah, we painted these fuckers. Um, like, Ooh, that would did, have taken me a year. It took us a, a good while. It was, it was, you know, some work for sure. Holy um, shit! We're looking at pictures right now of fake ducks, just hanging out in a row uh, on the nice spring grass. Yes, it's February and this is spring already here. Right. Yeah. Shit's blooming. So, um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, they were all in garbage bags coming home from the, uh, from the, um, from the. 
you know, where we, the blind, yeah, that we had r rented. And um, and so they were in my garage, just in piles of garbage bags. And so I lined them all up out there because I'm going to be selling them and getting rid of them. We don't need them anymore. So never again. I mean, we don't need that. We don't need 200 not renting a blind, and I'm not going to be storing all those decoys in my garage. I'm just not. You so. could hang them on the wall. I mean, it's art. No. <laughs> I, I do want to keep one of the pintails because I think they're really pretty. But <laughs> All righty. But generally speaking, now nah, we're good. Yeah, it makes um, sense, man. You need to get rid of it. But the story I wanted to share is um, that I'm actually pretty excited about is the trip I have upcoming with the kids. Dude, you did not even tell me about this. I didn't tell you uh, about you did. I'm like the last person on the planet to know yeah. that you're going to freaking Portland. Some, some things need to be said. Road pod, so. trip. Road trip, yes. Road I'm, trip. Hmm. So why road trip? I mean, that's kind of far. It I, is. That's what... Uh, 10 hours from here? 13 it's, hours? No, not even 13. No, it's it's like probably 7-ish. Uh, uh, really? That's it? From um, from Napa anyway. But we're going to stop in Eureka. Um, and Oh, don't do yeah, that. I, I mean... Is there anything there? We're going to the beach. There's water. Uh, I mean, we're, we're just, it has a breaking point for the kids. You know? Wait, is that on the 101? It's on the 101, yeah. You're going on the 101. Are you going up the coast? We're going to go up the coast on uh, there. Fist pump, dude. I thought you were just going to I-5 it all the way up. No, on the, we'll come back to the 5, I think. Yeah. But, but we're, I mean, we'll circle over to the 5 up mm. near, near Oregon and everything because that's the easiest way. There's yeah. nothing, you know. So you're going to be driving through the, the Redwoods. I think so. Yeah. Up up there by the, by the Oregon border. You've got the um, Jeremiah, whatever, Redwoods. Beautiful up there. And yep. then once you cross to Oregon, it's the dunes. Like half of Oregon, southern Oregon on the coast is just dunes. You can go horseback riding. I did that once. I saw like a baby bear. A baby, a like baby you're, bear. you're holding up two, your two fingers, like I'm they're like two fingers, like, like it's two, two inches. inches. <laughs> like, it's, like the baby bear is two Little inches. Baby. Well, it kind of looked like that from the horse that I was on. Okay, so imagine, um, or, or you know, my girlfriend at the time was a total bitch, um, but I didn't know that. Uh, and I were on horses uh, in the dunes, right? We could see the ocean. We were, I don't know, 50 feet from the ocean, and then you know, just a few feet from where the dunes get all vegetative, you know. And then there was like a bear just hanging out in the in the in the vegetative part of it and the horses didn't freak out and i was thinking okay where there's baby bear there's mama bear but it was all cool yeah. it was really bizarre because i thought yeah. bears hung out in the forests on mountains and stuff but this guy was just cruising the beach and so you did a, a road trip you've driven up this was up? a long fucking time did ago did you drive down or you drove up because you used to live in seattle so. yeah i used to live in seattle um, and I had my mom used to live in Oregon in Eugene. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, so let's see. Eugene is, is what, like an hour from the coast, and then the dunes are south of that. Okay. So I, I don't think I was going anywhere specific. I mean, it wasn't coming down to California or anything like that. It was just kind of like a camping trip or something. Okay. So. But um, the Oregon coast is fantastic. We're not going to ride any horses. I have a five-year-old, and he'd be like, I don't like it, Daddy. It's not too big and <laughs> scary. He's a little young to, to be riding a horse anyway. And I, took, right, just, right. I, I just took Fern on her first horse riding trip a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we'll space it out a little bit. And how did she like that? She had a good time. Uh-huh. She had a great time. Uh, Sweet. And, uh, um, but we do have some plans. And so I actually called, I FaceTimed Fern uh, yesterday when mm -hmm. I locked in the first place we're staying. We're going to... Um, this is something I, an idea I had like eight years ago or something with my ex. I had to kind of stay at this place because it looks so cool, uh, but it never happened, and I never have been to Oregon, so um, so I didn't do it. But it's this uh, place. You've never been to Oregon. I've never been to Oregon ever. Never. This will be the first time you've been to Oregon. First time I've been to Oregon. But you've flown over Oregon because you've been yes. you've been to Seattle. Yeah, but they don't take kindly to you jumping out to stop in you know and. Uh, but and doesn't tour. that mean you kind of have been in Oregon because you did fly I don't over think Oregon? It, does mean that. it doesn't count. No, I don't. So I've like been to Oregon. Feet, feet, two feet on the ground, Jens. <laughs> Even if you have a layover in a state, it, it doesn't count if you're in the airport to, as having been there. Haven't been there. Right? Oh, right, Just okay. because you can get a keychain with I'll, the name. I'll on give it. you that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but what I'm gonna tell you is that there are so many lesbians mm -hmm. and Subarus and lesbians in Subarus in Oregon. It's like the number one place on the planet, I think, okay. for lesbians and Subarus. I'll keep an eye so out. So I just want you to be aware of that. Every time you see a Subaru, just check it out. Uh -huh. There are going to be some... Yeah. I'm a Subaru driver. So, you, know, you are a Subaru driver, yeah, but you're not an Oregon yeah, Subaru yeah. driver. Or an Oregon That's different. Subaru driver. A whole different breed. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> 
So, so the place you're staying is actually in a treehouse, which is so cool. You sent me a picture yeah. of one of these things. It was a video. But you didn't. Whatever. Yeah. I didn't press play. <laughs> I, I did, but the, my internet connection at the time was shitty, so nothing happened. But yeah. I, the first thing I thought of was like, what? Why did you not tell me about this? And I want to go. It looks uh -huh. awesome. Yeah. So I, so I faced in front and told her, and she flipped out. She's so super excited because there's uh -huh. like a loft up where they're gonna the kids are gonna get to stay, and I'll stay down at the bottom, and uh, and it's just perfect size for the three of us. Sort of. I'm thing. gonna interrupt you right now. This isn't the first like super cool thing you've done with your kids. Okay. You've done super cool things with your kids before. I try and be a super cool dad. So. Like we were just talking about, you know, you haven't been to Oregon, but you've been to Seattle and you were there with your kids. I was. And you did some horseback riding stuff. In Seattle? No, 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 here. Oh, somewhere. yeah, yeah. Just I, a few. I took for horseback riding, yeah. Just was Atticus there too? No. Too young. Do you and ever. Daddy daughter. Do you ever try to like, like one up your ex wife? With shit you do with the kids? I don't need to try. No. <laughs> no they, they, you know, they're big fans of her as, you know, the paternal mom thing. Oh, I love my, you know, uh -huh. loving their mom. Right. You know, but, I mean, as far as doing fun things, mm -hmm. I mean, Just I, got comes that, naturally. I got that locked in. Okay. You know, I mean, for sure. I so mean, they're growing up knowing that dad's yeah. cooler than mom. I mean, they'll they'll realize it later when they look back. Yeah. I don't know that right now they're, they're thinking it, but they'll have the memories. They'll have me. all those wonderful, like, memories of... Yeah, adventures, camping trips, road trips, and all sorts of things that they've done with their dad. Yeah, I that's fantastic because I'm. That's what I remember from my childhood. When I look back, I remember, you know, all the fun outings that we did. Those are the big memories. I mean, I don't really remember what my home life was like at home, except me and my Legos and shit. Yeah, but it's the adventures, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. Are you going to eat that potato fry while you're talking? I've been eating a couple, and I just put the mic off to the side. You're, you're slacking No, here. I haven't eaten a single one because I, I don't want to, like, munch and annoy no, our I'm listeners. Not, no, I'm not but eating But you're rude. Not, you haven't even noticed. I'm not eating a mic. I didn't even the, see that. Put the mic away while you're That's talking. It's because I'm busy concentrating while you're, I'm talking. You're listening to what I'm saying. I can't multitask. No, I know. I, I can't. Okay, I'm going to shut up. You, you say something while I munch. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, so we're going to do that. We're going to, yeah, we'll, we'll hit Eugene, and we'll, uh, we're going to do some other stuff, but... Um, I'm also I'm gonna take them to do you know fun things in Oregon. Um, uh, we're gonna hit uh, let's see here uh, Samoa Beach. That's in Eureka. We're gonna go to um, I think Cascades Raptor Center where there's a ton of birds and everything. That's in Eugene. Raptors? Like I, I don't dinosaurs. think there's gonna be raptors. <laughs> no. Where where are the raptors? Exist? I want my money back. God damn it! I want to no. see one. No, but we're going to do a wildlife safari, I think, also, where you drive through and, like, there's zebras walking up to your car and everything like that. Where it's, the hell is that? It's in Winston. Um, no shit. In Oregon, yeah. So I'm looking at all this stuff along the way. Oregon has zebras. They, Who would have known? And, and deer and uh, and bear and, you know, and, uh, and tigers and monkeys and stuff. So They're all lesbians. All, of, all the animals, too? <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and we'll make it up to Portland um, and, and then work our way back um, afterwards. So, like, a four-day trip. That's seriously exciting. Yeah. That's cool. Good for you, man. So, it should be good. So, it should be good. So, we'll, I'll report back on it, obviously, after, after the fact, but looking forward to that. So, you know me. I don't have kids. So, how do you find out about all these cool things that you do that you can do with kids. Fun Google, fun things to do with kids in Oregon. You just Google that? <laughs> yeah. Is that like a website? And then there's, yeah, there's lists. The top 15 things to do with kids in Oregon or the top 15 things to do in Oregon. And See, that's what I want the website yeah. to be, like www.bestthingstodowithyourkidsinoregon.com. Uh -huh. It's probably there and, and, uh, and taken. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I just search around for the areas I, was, I, I wanted to go to and there, where that I think would be there would be something that might interest them and you know, okay, okay, we'll do that. We'll go to the Portland Children's Museum, and that, that looks like fun for them, right? So, That's exciting. Cool. Good for you. I can't wait. Yeah. Know what I can't wait for? More potato fries. Uh, can't wait for more potato fries. But I also uh, can't wait for Gang of Four to be on the podcast. So I think we're going to do that Let's now. bring them on. Yeah. So, again, this is an interview with Andy Gill of uh, Gang of Four. We're going to uh, hop into that. Had a great conversation uh, on his tour bus before the, the show. He was really down mm -hmm. and, and uh, I mean, just really enlightening conversation. So I enjoyed it. Um, we're going to start with a song from their set. Uh, this was at the end in San Francisco. Nice. Um, and uh, this is a song called Anthrax. Here it is. I'm Andy Gill from Gang of Four, and you're listening to Concert Pipeline.
Are you from around here? Uh, Napa, actually. Napa? So, yeah. That's We're, north? Yeah, a little, about, about an hour away or so. so. Further north, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. North and in a bit, or just north? I'm north and in, right? Like it's, a little. Yeah, a little, a little bit. <coughs> yeah. Wine country. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Have so. you been up there? <coughs> You've probably been everywhere at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, used to go, because there's quite a lot of wine regions between San Francisco and LA. Yeah. Used to visit once one of those now and then. Um, remember that film Sideways? Oh, remember, remember that? Y yeah, yeah. You were. That was a great film. Yeah, yeah. So you went around that time, or? No, no, no. Much earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah, they filmed down there. Like, oh, right. Was, it, even though it was set in Napa, it's none of it's in Napa. Wait, where is it? Like. Um, yeah. What do you call it? Uh, I can't think of a region. Like it, it's like north of LA. Like. Like halfway between here and LA. Oh, okay. Like, <coughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Because um, when I was it's probably by, slight. It's it's probably slightly warmer than uh, definitely a bit warmer than Napa. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's what kind of makes Napa good, isn't it? Because it's it's not roasting. It's um, it's it's a bit higher up, and it's got the sea air, and it's got kind yeah. of perfect combination of uh, climate for for great wine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Looking it up. <laughs> yeah, I totally am because it's going to drive me nuts now. Although well, that, that that rule doesn't always apply because, like, uh, some of the southern parts of Italy, which really do get hot, and you can yeah. make, make most amazing wine, and uh, so it's not always no one rule applies really. Yeah, Are you a big wine drinker. Or? Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's your go-to? You like white or I, I saw you had some. Um, <coughs> yeah, I mean, it's all white wine. Yeah. But that when you're not into her, you just, you go red. Well, my missus, uh, um, can't drink wine anymore. It gives her a headache. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think happens to a lot of people. If I have a couple glasses of red, I mean, I, I go for red uh, red yeah, wine, but yeah. if I have a couple glasses, I'm going to wake up with a migraine. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. Just a couple. Uh, yeah, just, it just doesn't take... I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beer guy myself. I, right, can, right. I can drink a lot of beer. You know, I know, but, uh, I know. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's, but but she, she can drink a lot of beer. Oh, she, 
yeah. not a lot I'm exaggerating yeah, but, but she drinks a couple of bottles of beer every day you know and um, um I don't know I just, I, yeah I do like wine but <clears throat> I used to have a lot I used to buy a lot of red wine and uh I just sold it all recently really just mm. you're like I'm done with it I'm just going well because the way yeah, I mean, when you take, you know, you'll take a bottle around to somebody else's house when they invite you around or something. Sure. But, um, for, uh, uh, you know, like at home, uh, over dinner at home, it's like, it's like I, I can't really open this bottle of really good red wine when it's only me drinking. It's going to be, yeah, exactly. Cause it's like, like, yes, I could put a cork in it and keep it for a few days, you know. I don't know. I just, I just... So I kind of I kind of gravitated a bit towards white wine, which is not quite right because you know the best wine is red wine, basically, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I grew up in Napa, but I, I don't know a lot about wine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I just I I've always been a beer guy, so yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of like that thing of you you're around it all the time, so you just uh, you know I, yeah. I don't know. It's it, no, it's, it's, no it's just Napa, you know. Because you so. come from around, there's no particular reason why you, should, you know it doesn't make any sense. No. Um. Yeah, yeah. So um, so how have the dates on the West Coast been been going for uh, for you? I saw a picture of you hanging out with Tom Morello the other night. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nice if uh, it was nice him dropping by, um, and we've been. Um, talking a little bit recently in the last six months um so it was nice nice him dropping by it's it's all gone um it's all gone very well you know the usual kind of things that go wrong on tours you know the petty things like losing everything you own that kind of thing you know what happened oh so, okay. you know you just lose things you know it's like what's my wallet yeah oh okay what's my wallet? i thought you got like the, the tour bus got jacked or something or you yeah know. and it's like and you wake up and it's like where are my glasses i can't see anything they're here somewhere right like they've got to be here this bus is slightly bigger than a space capsule right <laughs> it's like they've got to be here somewhere you know it's like no andy you know this is like a joke that our autonomy says nope you've lost your wallet cancel your cards and uh, and then you find it, and, and I say, and I've lost my glasses. Book an appointment with an optician, and you know it's like Mister Pessimism. Yeah. And then, sure enough, so the glasses turn up after you've already yeah booked the appointment. No, I haven't booked it because oh, okay, I know good. they're here. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. Good. You know, and uh, yeah, I just thought it was just crap like that. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, nobody thought to look in the cover with the coats hanging up. And yeah, the wallet's in the pocket. Of course. And you know. Yeah. So, ah, oh, just like petty Listen. stuff that's stressful. Yeah. But, do you enjoy getting out on the road? Like you've been doing this a, a long time. Do you still enjoy, you know, touring? I enjoy parts of it, and other parts I don't. You know, but uh, the, uh, it does seem like it's getting harder to get into America, for example, um, and. Uh, it's certainly making it really expensive for visas and stuff, like really expensive. Yeah. And you've got to pay these lawyers in the States to look after it, and then at the London end, somebody else has got to look after that, and they've got to pay them, and you've got to pay the... Uh, ah, it's just all mounts up. And, and then you go on a long flight to L.A., and you get off eventually after you sit there on the ground for about two hours, and then eventually you get in there, and there's the immigration hall... And there's 700 people in a line, and there's two guys in the little cubicles. Yeah, and you're like, I've been traveling all day. I just want to get to my hotel. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. It was, it was quite... I was kind of ready to just kill myself. Uh, and I got up to the... Suddenly some more guys appeared. I was like, oh, thank yeah, God. And the, and the queue started moving a little faster. And then I got through, and I was at the... I went up to the guy, and he took my customs form. He said, "You haven't filled in three, four, or five. Said, oh. And I saw thing. my tour manager just going through. I said, "Well, that's my tour manager's fault." Oh, okay. And oh, you're in a band. You're gang of four. I've seen you three times. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, 
So he said, let me fill it in for you. Yeah, yeah just do it. Make it easy. He okay. just did it. You know, and sometimes like, those things work out. Sometimes, you know, after you've been through sheer hell, yeah, um, yeah, there's a little glimmer of hope. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about uh, growing up and kind of your, your parents. Are they influential for you musically? Like, uh, how? Tell me about music growing up for you. Uh, well, my father certainly wasn't. And um, my mother... Uh, Played the violin, and she played in, uh, you know, an orchestra and stuff, um, a youth orchestra. Um, but I'd never had any kind of musical training, and nobody suggested that I should or anything like that. And I think, uh, well, I remember my cousin, um, slightly older than me, playing playing some stuff on the guitar, and. He showed me a couple of things. I think one of which was the, I think it was him. Uh, I remember him showing me a Hendrix song, but before that, I think it was him, maybe somebody else, showed me the riff to Satisfaction by the Stones, which is the simplest thing. It's kind of lesson one on the guitar in uh -huh. my book. Uh, and it's the simplest thing in the world. And when other people say, how do you play the guitar? I thought I'd show them. Because um, it's so simple. Yeah. If you can get that and you like playing it, you kind of get hooked. And and because it, it's so kind of robotic and simple, it's three notes and, you know. And so that hooked you. Huh? So that hooked you. Yeah, then. I mean, yeah. That, that, that sort of, that made me realise that actually it was very simple. Yeah. There wasn't anything very complicated about it. So, that, you know, you kind of learn stuff from that point. That's what it was like. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, did you go to concerts when you were younger? I mean, did, did you always want to be a live musician? No. Um, I, I think uh, quite early on, the idea of trying, seeing what it was like playing in a band was quite interesting and appealing. Um, and... Uh, so you sort of get together with friends and stuff and improvise uh, some sort of situation where you've got some kind of amplif amplification of some sort or other, you know, someone's got some kind of a drum kit. And, you know, and you, and you start very basic band things with friends, you know, uh, at a sort of fairly early teenage stage. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's how it kind of kicks off. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't think of that as being something you're going to be doing. I don't know. I don't, you don't think you think about it. All these years later or anything like no, that, right? No, yeah. No. Extraordinary, yeah. Yeah. And so so tell me about, um, I mean, I know you, you guys formed it, um, you know, in Leeds at uh, Leeds University uh, back in, in 77. So tell me about the dynamic of the, the band when you guys formed. Well, John King and myself had actually come from the same school or high school as you call it uh -huh. uh, and we both went to he went the year before me uh, to Leeds University and I went the a year, year after and uh, yeah we did we'd fine art there but we used to <coughs> at school we'd we had played as as a band so even even before we went to Leeds so we'd, we'd played as a band so it wasn't completely foreign to us, you know. Yeah. Um, and then we used to just um, muck around. I had my acoustic guitar and a cassette player to record things on. You know, and we just kind of make, just for fun, really, we'd, we'd kind of make up songs and uh, do stuff like that. And I think what... I think the thing that sort of switched it around a bit was in 76, in the summer of 76, we went to New York um, and we, we a friend of a friend had offered to put us up. It, that was Mary Harron who, who wrote for New York Punk magazine at the time. She later became a film director and... Uh, did um, was it called I Shot Andy Warhol 
and uh, American Psycho. Okay, okay. Mary Heron, yeah. And we had a mess of it. She was a friend of a friend. And she said, yeah, sure, they, they, these guys can stay in my apartment. Yeah. And so in 76, we turned up, and I got some sort of grant from the university to study uh, or to do some sort of paper on Frank Stella, the painter. And so that was that. So we turned up, and, and so, you know, we we you know, did things, did various things during the day. And then in the evenings, we would tend to go to places like CBGB's. And the the funny thing there was that we'd... So, you know, Mary knew, you know, knew various people and <clears throat> we'd get introduced and we'd be standing around in CBGB's at the bar, you know, drinking with John Cale and uh, Joe Ramone... And this kind of mixture of people, yeah. Um, and the Patty Smith group, uh, who we saw quite a lot of. And I think that sort of the fact that it was all sort of very normal. And um, I mean, CBGs would be half empty most of the time, if not empty, and there'd just be these various, uh, you know, rock stars, you know, standing around, and uh, we'd be all like having a laugh with them and um we saw I remember seeing a couple of uh, I remember the jam turning up there uh, and playing that um so I think the, the the sort of I mean it was a lot of fun but I think the takeaway was this isn't special this isn't for particularly exceptionally talented people yeah it's for people that have got the will and the ideas and it's about ideas more than it is about ability on a fretboard. You know, it's it's kind of about ideas. Yeah. And uh, you don't. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to be exceptional. But you say that, but but you and your music has influenced so many major, you know, bands that you know. I mean, that I mean are, are the biggest bands in the world, right? Mm. And and so, like. Tell me about kind of that impact and what that means. What that means to you, kind of to have made such a mark on you know on, mm. on music. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, it it depends which which you know which. This is this is you know when I'm talking about like the beginning, you know. Yeah. It, it, it formed, was like okay. you know right then there at that time. Sure. It was like um, the impetus to actually then to go. All right, I can turn this into turn this into a band. You know, I'm writing this stuff. John's helping me with, the, you know, um, we can we can make something happen here, which is which is fun, you know, um, and exciting. So after the New York thing, we go back to we go back to Leeds and st- start taking it slightly more seriously. Yeah. So then we got a bunch of songs together and we got things on the go, and we start looking for a drummer. Um, and this guy Hugo turns up, and we kind of laughed at him because he he had braces or suspenders, oh, okay, him, right? holding his trousers up. Oh, really? <laughs> with um, like a bare paw prints going up them, uh-huh. which we thought was absolutely ridiculous. And also, he didn't like any of the music that we liked. He liked Elton John, Queen. This stuff, and we're yeah. like, God. But he's got a drum kit. Yeah. And he's got a transit van. And you needed both of those. We needed both of those. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it all sounds very calculating, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're thinking ahead there. You're like, um, okay. And um, so that's how it. And so then you get in a rehearsal room, and it's like. Um, uh, I mean, it was always like I had very clear, you know, I had sort of clear ideas about how the beats should be put together and how uh, how the guitar part should work around the drum beat and the bass part should work around that and the vocals and how everything should kind of interlock. 
rather than being layered on top of each other. Those are the ideas. Um, yeah, and Hugo would kind of fight with me a bit about those things. What I wanted to avoid was using, you know, like off-the-shelf drum beats, sure. like, you know, rock drum beat number 13B. You know, which is you know just like all these standard drum beats that drum that is always always used, uh, and to actually kind of get in there and reinvent it and put the beats in different places, almost like playing with a drum machine. You know, like let's put the open hi hat here and see what. Oh, that's good. And you know, let's do that. You know, and, and it makes it more interesting and exciting. Um, but to go back to your later question, yeah, uh, I mean that's you know, sort of years later after we've done several albums and then, you know, the Chili Peppers come and ask me to produce them because they think we're the reason they started and things like that. And Michael Stipe has been on tour with Gang of Four a lot. Yeah. And uh, saying that R.E.M. used a lot of Gang of Four ideas and, yeah, and all that stuff, you know, happened later. Yeah. And so, I mean, so those moments to you, are those some of the, the big things that are, you know, really valuable that you kind of hold close? So you're like, okay, you know, I, this is this is why I do this. This is, you know, tell me kind of what that means, uh, you know, in, in your experience. That's a good question. I mean, uh, you, you know, I certainly, you know, in the early days, you're not thinking I'm doing this because I want to be influential you know, you're doing it because you yeah. think it's good. Yeah. And, and and that's why you do it, you know, and it's it's creative and you can see that certainly when you play live that you connect with an audience and they can see that it's creative and they find it exciting. Uh, and, you know, and you get, you know, reviews. Some people hate it. Some people love it, you know, and that's the way it always goes. Uh uh, I think the thing that was slightly took me a bit by surprise. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, got the the Chili Peppers being into it and, and REM, and uh, I guess Rage Against the Machine or whatever. Yeah. But then sort of later on, quite a lot later on, all these new bands popped up, who were kind of quoting Gang of Four. Um. The, uh, like a whole new wave of bands that were into it. Um, and that sort of continued. So you get sort of St. Vincent talking about Gang of Four or whatever. Um, and, and, I, and, and I guess more recently, uh, Pharrell talking about Gang of Four politics, you know, which, is, which surprised me. Yeah. You know, he's got any ERD. Yeah, yeah, no one ever really does. Yeah. 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 It's pretty amazing. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Um, and uh, the Frank Ocean sampling uh, Anthrax, which was quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you see, I mean, your your legacy kind of lives on even with you know the more recent yeah. more recent bands, and it doesn't it doesn't go away. Popping up in yeah. not the most expected places. Yeah, yeah, you're not expecting it, and you're like, oh, really? Okay, that's yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so I mean, you mentioned. Kind of politics um, on your complicit EP. Obviously, you, you know, um, you have the Ivanka song, mm-hmm. and and so I'm curious from, uh, you know, from a musician who's um, not from America. Um, tell me what what is that like to you, right? What is what is our current situation? <laughs> I'll call it that, right? Yeah. Like, how does that look to to you? I guess. Well, or impact. I mean, I think. <laughs> I mean, I think one thing that maybe nobody guessed at the beginning of all this. Yeah. I don't think anybody guessed that Trump would be that entertaining. Right. You know what I mean? It's like people are like very for him or very upset and very against him, but nobody guessed he was going to make you laugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny, you think like late night talk show hosts, you know, I mean, it's like gold to them at first, I'm sure. And then it's, when it's every day, I'm sure it's like, oh, we got to talk about something else. You know? I know, I know. There, there is a point where it gets a little wearing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think, I don't know, certainly Britain's 
pretty interested. And we see so many parallels of what's going on with Brexit, you know. Yeah. This kind of... It's like, oh, are we sure about this? Was this what we wanted? You know, like, um, and it it just has it has these consequences, you know. But of course, it's whilst Brexit is of interest to the rest of the world, Trump is of much more interest because America is the superpower. So, yeah. uh, ultimately, it is uh, you know uh, sort of more more important in general and all round. Uh, and I, I mean, on that particular Ivanka thing, I mean, I, uh, generally speaking, I think Gangafor tries to avoid, you know, doing things which are specific current affairs, yeah. the issue du jour. You know, it's uh, you usually try and not go there, but I think in this particular case, you've got. You know the Trump philosophy; it kind of espouses a particular type of right-wing slash populism, whatever you want to call it. Um, but there's something I don't know, a bit predictable about just kind of I don't know lashing out at Trump or whatever. It's just like it's kind of like it's bit, an easy target sort of an thing. an easy target yeah. and a bit simplistic. But when you know when he got into the White House and. Uh, you know, and put Ivanka in an office. Uh, and her husband and... And, uh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. and somebody shouted at one of these press things, you know, like, isn't this nepotism? <laughs> and he goes, what's wrong with nepotism? You know, that's a good thing, isn't it? It's like, he's like, hello? Do you know what the word means? You know, um, but, uh, but he, so he puts her in there and then she gets wheeled out as the pleasant-faced young female explainer of the, the Trump world. Yeah. And so she can say, you know, Trump's been like, everybody's going, you're, you're practically a rapist. You go around grabbing people's crutches. You think you can do whatever you want with any woman, right? So they get her to come out and say, Daddy loves women, and he believes in family. And so, like, okay, that makes that right then. Yeah. And um, you, it's clever stuff, actually, because, you know, so to the, I guess the undecided neutral observer, they think, well, on this side... They're saying he's a rapist, and on this side, his daughter's saying, "No, no, he's, he he loves women and family and stuff." And I don't know what to decide. You know, it's like it kind of is the counterweight. Yeah. So it was just, um, I mean, it's just a pretty, pretty uh, riveting. Uh, I don't know if it was a speech or an interview. Was it an interview? I can't remember. And when and and she and when she was like asked if she was complicit or something. And she said, I don't know what it means to be complicit. Yeah. Uh, which is a great line. And um, Spun that song. Yeah. I'm sure somebody said that at the Nuremberg... Oh, no, I won't go there. Um, but, uh, so, I mean... Um, it, it was just... I mean, the thing was, she was writing it for me, you know. I didn't yeah. To, you know, and I, I've said more than once that I really should be sending some royalties... In her direction, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think they're doing okay. She- <laughs> yeah, I don't think they need my uh, right. Yeah, from that uh, side. and two hundred and fifty bucks from Spotify. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Happy Now. Um, it comes out March first. Well, it's not actually. It's later than that. Oh, is it? Is- We've had a bit of a problem because. Um, do you know Pledge? Do you know this? Uh, you know the platform. I, I'm f- it's kind, kind of, of like familiar. Kickstarter kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So we were we had it up on that. Yeah. Turns out they're in deep financial trouble, and it, they're not paying anybody. It's kind of crashing. Really. And I think we're going to have to just pull the whole thing, which is probably going to just put it back a month. Wow. So it'll be end of March, early April, something like that. I think. 
Yeah. Um, it's really bad luck, and we're just we're trying to figure a way out of it at the moment. Um, it, me and the few people that are working with me. So they have kind of an ownership over it, or no, sorts, or no ownership. Uh, okay, it's just so, you have to find another platform. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, let's talk about the album in, in general, right? Yeah. So tell me kind of um, your approach to this, you know, um, at this point, right? I'm making, uh, you know, you've made a, a number of albums. You've produced for uh, so many artists as, mm-hmm. as well. So tell me, when you go into the studio, you know, do you write the album beforehand? or you, I mean, what's your, what's your approach when you made this? Song? Well, the, there'll usually be a, a whole bunch of tracks in progress call them that or demos or something stuff that's underway that's been kicking around sometimes for a while and sometimes just for a short while yeah um and at a certain point uh, i'll just uh it's a bit like sort of like you get up one day and go oh, right let's make a record yeah uh and let's make that work and how do i go about it and i think that one of the main things i wanted to do this time was to get in co-producers so that with previous records, the thinking's been, oh, well, Andy, you're a decent producer. You know how to do it. You should do it. You yeah. should do the record. Um, and I think, I think that's um, slightly flawed thinking, I think. You need other people. It's good to have different perspective, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So... I was determined to get other people involved in this. And um, so, uh, yeah, so there was like three different sets of co-producers working on it with me. And uh, it was it was very productive and uh, things seemed to move along twice as fast with other people being involved. Because, you know, I would, I'd kind of get up early and get in the studio, like really early, uh, work on the song and uh, uh, work on lyrics and music, and then the whichever co-producer it was would turn up, like eleven thirty kind of time, and then we'd work all day till seven or eight, and you know we just got so much, so many hours in in the studio, yeah. Uh, um, and you could see results quickly, you know, you kind of see where it was going. So that idea of momentum and a driving force and getting it moving, um, I think it's really useful when, you, when you're making a record. And I think it's, uh, I think in the past, sometimes you thought, well, it'll take as long as it takes, you know, and which I think is the wrong attitude. It'll come naturally in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think it's like no, get on with it, and you know, just like give yourself a bit of a time limit. Um, so I ended up with a lot of songs that were, that were finished, and uh, and I was really enjoying it, and I could I could have kept going and going, and I thought, hold on a second, let's put something out. Yeah. So like last summer, it's like, well, what songs have we got? And uh, there's 17 finished things, and I just pick those 10 that are unhappy now yeah and so aside from the momentum like what would you say the other uh, three producers that you worked with yeah. uh, co-producers um, what would you say they pulled out of you that you might not have pulled out yourself I think um, um, I think it's a, I don't know it's, it's that thing of um, um just just working on things and tossing things back and forth between between you and uh, you know like Ben Hillier who's um, who did about three or four tracks with me about four tracks and he uh, he brought various bits of his kind of weird kit with him his kind of interesting um, analog stuff and we put the it's like I'll try putting the kick drum through this and uh, electronic kick drum and we put that through there and then he'd sort of like tweak it and it make it make different sounds and it, it, that something as simple as that immediately gives a slightly different angle on, on what you're doing I mean I kind of said to everybody that uh, that I 
wanted to have, you know, clearly uh, electronic style sounds, however they're generated, whether it's uh, an analog kick drum going through uh, a weird analog synth, or whether it's something that's entirely computer generated, um, sitting next to some played bass guitar or some regular, if you like, played drums or whatever. So a kind of a, a mishmash, a mixture of those different things. Yeah. Um, but also to try and keep it as simple as possible. Sure. Uh, and I think um, somebody I was talking to earlier was saying how, how very simple it was um, and how it was difficult for... Um, and that, that he, as a musician, would find it difficult because there's nothing to hide behind because it's so simple. Right. But, uh, and I was saying that I sometimes worry that it's not simple enough, that there's still maybe too much of something or other. I don't know. I want it because, you know, I aspire towards simplicity, but, you know, sometimes, I don't know, you can get lost in other stuff. Yeah. Now, as we wrap, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about that I thought was really interesting when I was, you know, doing a little bit of research, and that's your for your content album, you uh, had a unique approach, and I read that you guys sold vials of blood to help fund the album. Mm. Tell me about that and where that came about. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very diluted uh, because there's, like, a lot of records. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we had this idea for the con you know so it's called content so i thought well let's have a box with contents um so there was you know different the little little booklet was incredibly expensive to make the bloody thing uh so there were like, different booklets yeah white booklets with embossed text on them so one would say words you can open it up and it's the lyrics and uh, another said blood and you open it up and there's you can see into like a plastic kind of squidgy plastic thing with blood stuff in there <clears throat> which is there was some blood of mine in there okay, but not, okay. you know not much not very much at all you put yourself totally into that album yes yeah yeah like what do you want blood yeah <laughs> um uh, another one was called, what uh, um another one was Another one was called, I think it's called Emotions, which had pictures of uh, band, the people in the band, like, doing emotions. Um, it was like a kid's book where you can put a, the bottom half, you could pull a word, uh -huh. and the top half you could... So you can match a picture of yeah, someone's face to an emotion. Yeah. Um, Oh, uh, there was about there were six things, and I can't remember what they all were. And the CD was in there. You know, yeah, music. Uh, yeah, pretty it was all, in, all in this metal box. Yeah, it's pretty creative. Mm. Andy, thank you for taking the time today. I yeah, my pleasure. Definitely appreciate it, and looking forward to uh, the show tonight. And wish you luck on the East Coast leg of the the tour as well. Yeah, when we get down to minus five. And beyond, uh, not yeah. We got a little rain here, you know. That's, that's yeah, about been, as crazy as it gets. <laughs> I've been a bit disappointed with the weather in California. Yeah, not the sunny days you're expecting. No, no. I was but, hoping for a little bit of sunny days. But at least you're not going to freeze your ass off. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Have a great rest of the tour, and uh, yeah, great time tonight. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. That was the interview with Andy Gill of Gang of Four uh, here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, it's that time near the end of the podcast. What is it? It's time for more potato fry. Oh, Ooh. you're talking about music news. You got me, yes. See <laughs> yes. how I did there? Put some potato fries, there? yes. Oh, mm. um, okay, so we got a couple of stories. We're going to keep this one short so we can get over to our interview. It's happening in a couple minutes. Um, I'll start first. Go uh, ahead. Got a story about Frank Zappa. 
Ooh, what's Frank up to? Well, not a lot by himself. <laughs> I would say he's kind of busy right now, but um, but there's a World of Frank Zappa uh, tour. Uh, he's going to be touring in holographic form. Are you serious? It's going to be one of those holograms. No freaking way. Yeah. That's I cool. Yeah. Did he have any input on how he can be presented? I, mean, I, d I don't think they consulted him, <laughs> I, but maybe uh, his... I would think at the very least they could consult him. I mean, I'm sure he would have some it, artistic input. They might have had to settle for uh, for Dweezil Zappa, so his son. Mm. And the rest of the Zappa family. There we go. But iLusion, the company that previously staged a tour around holographic Ronnie James Dio, um, talked about that with uh, you know with one of their band members a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, has now revealed details of the bizarre world of Frank Zappa. The hologram tour kicks off with a nine-date U.S. leg beginning in April before heading to the U.K. in May for further performances. It's like it has hours of never-before-seen Zappa performance footage from the early 70s that, that, that served for the basis of the concert. Um, wow. And the footage that was locked away in the Zappa vaults for 44 years, Jens. Dude! Yeah, Can we'll you imagine be, that? 44 freaking years. It's a long time to be locked. That's going way stuff, back to into the archives. Out. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, juxtaposed with outrageous visuals that offer a striking view into his complex musical works. I'm impressed that you were able to pronounce juxtaposed. Yes. Um, uh, let's see. Adjoining Zappa's hologram on stage will be longtime Zappa players, including Ray White. Mike Keneally, who's been on Concert Pipeline, actually. Mm -hmm, of course. Play, plays with Joe Satriani. Uh, 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 Scott Thunes, Robert Martin, and Joe Travers. Um, and uh, I guess they're um, excited. Um, his son, uh, Almet, said his father was a hologram enthusiast prior to his death in 93. They had actively discussed 3D and holography, uh, and it was a concept that he actively engaged in, uh, and he devoted it half a chapter of the real Frank Zappa book, in 1990 to that subject. So, All right. so it kind of fits uh, right in there. Uh, preliminary touring schedule. Uh, let's see. It is not going to hit the West Coast. It is going. It is on the East Coast and then into the UK. So, um, so yeah. All right. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe we'll get a West Coast tour at some Maybe. point with Zappa. But I've got to say, hologram, hologram concerts are pretty awesome. I had the privilege to see uh, <clears throat> Michael Jackson as a hologram. Okay. Not as a real person. <laughs> I was like waiting for it. Yeah. But as a hologram. Do you think he was consulted on that? No. Maybe. Maybe they channeled his, you know, Michael Jackson energy for it. But um, I, I've got to say, I, I really liked the hologram. It was pretty freaking cool. I didn't let this was in Vegas at whatever the Michael Jackson show is called. I really didn't like the show. No. <clears throat> but I love the hologram part of it. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's my, uh, my Frank Zappa story. You want to know about Ozzy Osbourne? Because I got an Ozzy story. I know. He's had some rough times uh, recently. He was in the hospital. He, yes. Yeah. Right. In fact, that's what my story is about. Okay. And so you'll be pleased to know, as well as I'm sure many others, that he is doing much better following his hospitalization. Good. And Good. I'm trying to remember if I knew that he was hospitalized. You didn't. I talked about it with myself on the podcast last week. Oh, so. you see? I don't listen to our podcast no, because I hate don't. my voice. Well, you're, you were so, on it last week, so uh, you, no. you should have done your homework. Right? Yeah, okay. I know. I suck. All right. According to uh, Ozzy Osbourne's son, Jack, he reports that the legendary metal frontman is doing much, much, much better after he was hospitalized earlier this week for complications from the flu. Mm, yeah, yeah, I know. He had a oh my god, he had a bad case of the flu. He must have had a horrible case of the flu. You know that used to influenza used to kill people. You know back in the day, but now you know you think, oh my gosh, I got the flu. You know I'm gonna be home for a week or two weeks or something. But to be hospitalized, shit. Right. Okay. So Jack um, offered fans an update on his condition. He wrote, "Sunny day, all is well." Now I'm off to see Dad. He's doing much better. Thanks for all your messages. Holy hell, these sirens. They're not going to... Welcome to Oakland. Just... Yeah, yeah, that's our chat. <laughs> all righty. There we go. Yeah, uh, so that's really, really, really good. I don't know. Have you ever do you have you ever known anyone on a personal level that's been hospitalized for something like for like the flu? The flu? No, no, no. 
That's crazy, right? That's, yeah, that's nuts. That's Holy shit. I mean, I don't know if we're talking dehydration. I guess any or sickness when what? you're that old. I mean, getting up there, like, it's just so you yeah. got to take seriously. And maybe that's what it is, like an immune immune system thing, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. That's true. That's a good point. You know, age definitely is a factor there. Yeah. Um, anyway, after the news broke out uh, about the hospitalization of Ozzy, um, his Black Sabbath bandmate, Tony, uh, shared on Facebook, I'm wishing... Ozzy, a speedy recovery, and I know he'll be gutted that he's <laughs> he'll be gutted that he's that he's had to cancel part of his tour. But I'm sure he'll be back on stage as soon as he is able. Get better soon, my friend. Lots of love, Oz Tony. You can't hold Ozzy back, that's for sure, right? Can't hold Ozzy back. Once he's back on his feet, even if he still looks half dead. He's there for his fans. He's there. True, true, true man after the fans. Yes. Well, Wish, gonna, wishing you all the best, Ozzy. Yeah. I'm going to wrap with one more story. I, what? Dave, Dave Grohl? Dave Grohl. I, shit. <laughs> Dude, I was going to start off. Uh-huh. When I woke up this morning, Kay. I figured when we podcast yes. today, I'm going to start off saying, Steve. Yes. Let's just start the podcast off with a Dave Grohl story oh, okay, this time just around. start it, huh? Let's not wait until the very, very end. We've got to keep everybody engaged until the very oh, end, okay. and Dave Grohl is the man to do uh, that. That's right. So. All right, hit me. Okay. So this uh, story says... You have nasal drip, dude. Oh, good. It's that cold out here. It's pretty chilly. Yeah, it's breezy. It's, 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 you know, as soon as you get to 39, 38, 37, there's... 30 nasal drip. Okay. And yeah. that's what Steve has. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you for that. Carry on. <laughs> His ass is so fired. Uh, Dave Grohl left in hysterics as drunk guy hijacks Foo Fighters show. Uh, so, uh, so here's what happened. A dunk, drunk fan uh, hijacked a chaotic Foo Fighters show by jumping on stage and duetting with Dave Grohl before trying to climb on to Taylor Hawkins' drum rise. Ooh. Yes. The fan who introduced himself as Jay from Bombay mm. uh-huh, left Grohl rolling on the floor laughing with his antics after they performed an impromptu duet of the Faces classic Stay With Me. <laughs> Fucking Dave Grohl. Anybody else is just like, okay, can someone get this guy off the stage? Right, right, you know, right, like, right. This right. is ridiculous. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to play a show here. Mm-hmm. He lives it up. He's like, he rolls with it. He's like, he goes with the freaking punches and everything, right? So this, this sounds kind of familiar. I mean, I'm sure this is a different story, but didn't you and I watch a YouTube video of somebody who wanted to jump on stage and play the drums? Uh, Dave Grohl was on guitar, I think. I, I, I don't know if... I and think he, he was killed in, it. He was invited up. Uh, I think he was, Dave Grohl invited you know, him. I thought he was just stuff. some random guy from the... From the, from the you know, fan base there at the show. I don't think he snuck on stage or anything. No, he didn't snuck. All right, anyway, continue. Anyway, uh, the incident happened at Las Vegas Hard Rock Cafe where the band were performing as part of Consumer Electric Show. Uh, Jay invaded the stage and was welcomed on stage by Grohl, who described Jay's dancing as office party shit. Nice. Uh Uh-huh. Jay, (laughs) Grohl and Jay then drank champagne. And danced together before the band launched into their spontaneous cover of Stay With Me. Jay, who'd been, who had been laughing throughout the song, said at the end of it, let's do it again. <laughs> and then Jay tried ca- climbing Hawkins' drum riser before he was finally removed by the security. <laughs> That's dedication. Uh, yes. Uh, girl announced, his ass is fired. I don't know. He was referring to the show's corporate nat- uh, <laughs> nature. Uh, I don't know who he works for. How the fuck are you going to top Jay from Bombay? It ain't going to happen. So. Uh, <laughs> the man's a legend. He is. He is. So. Man, Imagine that fame. That's uh. That's the, he does that, it right every freaking I time. Know. You gotta love this guy. He doesn't let anything get to him. No. Like he's uh. He's incredible. Yeah, and he's good to his fans. Way he's, to go, Dave. He's really great. So, uh, so that's our show for today, dude. I'm a little worried. Yeah. Because we got two more podcasts to do today. Three do more. We, then we don't have to do the whole podcast today. So. Yeah, but uh, do we have enough Dave Grohl stories? <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna have to get, get, call up Dave and see if uh, we can do some, some yeah, crazy shit. We might have to. Yeah, but uh. Might be. Um, but yeah. So, um, so we're going to play us out with one more song from Gang of Four's uh, show at the Independent. Nice. Um, and so for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jen Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. We will catch you next time. Yeah.